Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The race is on and probably the worst kept secret in Formula One is out. Sebastian Vettel will join Racing Point next year, or Aston Martin as it will be called, in place of Sergio Perez as teammate to Lance Stroll. While it's not a surprise, it's a huge story to see a four times world champion head to what is historically a midfield team, even if its performance is a little better than that. This year, I'm Ed Straw and joining me to look into the implications of this latest move is Mark Hughes. Uh, Mark. Like I say, not a surprise, but when these announcements finally happen, it is always one of those things you just really want to get into because there's just so many ways this could go. This is what Formula One's all about, isn't it? Yeah, it's just that moment, isn't it? It's just that critical moment where it finally clicks into place. And uh, it's, it is intriguing, and you've got to feel very, very sorry for Sergio Perez, who's done a sterling job there and has been um, the, the, the sacrificial lamb, really, but um it's still it that doesn't um it doesn't change the fact that this is quite an intriguing and uh, probably the virgin on exciting i would say uh, development so uh yeah there's all sorts of questions hanging in the air now isn't it looking forward to next year well let's really look at vettel first obviously he said that all options are on the table either retiring taking a sabbatical or moving to another team. He's obviously gone with the latter. I don't know about you, but I'm really pleased about this because Vettel, the past few years, have been really, really difficult for him and he's made too many mistakes. He's he's warranted some uh, some criticism, but we also know there's a very quick racing driver in there and at his best, he's, he's magnificent. So I'm personally really pleased that he's having another go at Formula One and it's not going to end in this rather unsatisfactory way. Surprised that Vettel has wanted to, to carry on or is it just in his nature that he wants it to end better as well? I think that's right, Ed. I think um, he, he's far too proud to... Um, go out in the, in the circumstances as they are at the moment. Um, not only with a, a you know an uncompetitive car that's not letting them show very much, but also being um, overshadowed by his teammate, who's uh, t- you know come in there and taken over his role really as the the Ferrari leader, the Ferrari talisman, and that whole really the whole part of Vettel's f- career, the the Ferrari part of Vettel's career, um, is just. Uh, so much less than it, it it was hoped for by him and by Ferrari as well. But um, essentially, the he was recruited by people that were no longer there when he arrived, and so I think that sort of fatally undermined his his Ferrari career right from the start. And he's he's tried like crazy to to make it work, regardless. But um, it it just hasn't it hasn't worked really. Um, so yeah, he's. He's not. Um, he's not about to go out like that. And I think all he needed, all he was looking for, was something that would be 
have the hope at least of, of being vaguely competitive, something it could show show something with. It's not necessarily a title winning team, but it's it's something that he, that he he's judged can enable them to show that it's he still he still can um, turn a lap time. He, he still can compete and. You know, uh, if it had been like a, a an Alpha drive or a Williams drive, absolutely not. No, he would have preferred to retire, I'm sure, than than do that. But this this gives him at least that chance of um, respectability. And he still loves he still loves the game. He still loves what he's doing. And I think um, there'll also be a great appeal after the, the the years of politics and difficult relationships at Ferrari to go going back to a straightforward racing team. Um, like he used to enjoy when he was a Red Bull. Well, he's still only 33, so he's not exactly putting out to pasture. This isn't one of those kind of late career moves where he's just banking a bit of money and going to drive around a bit. I, I think he really wants to make this work. And of course, if you were being uncharitable to Ferrari, you could argue this is a step up, certainly in the uh, in the immediate term, given, uh, given Ferrari's struggles. But anyway, I, I guess the real question is, can Vettel make this work? We know the positives he brings. He brings experience of how a top team works and uh, of winning. And that, that's important for an upwardly mobile midfield team like Racing Point, which has been very successful pound for pound, if you like, in the past, but still has to come on, shall we say. So we've seen drivers like Vettel in the past bring bring a lot. We know he's quick, but we've also seen Vettel at times perhaps not be at his absolute best in more midfield settings. So there are still some things for, for Vettel to prove. But what do you think Aston Martin slash Racing Point is getting out of the deal? Well, for one thing, um, they're getting a fantastic marketing boost for Aston Martin's entry uh, into Formula One. Um, so you know, the team has been it's the same team, but being rebranded. And this is just the most um, fantastic flying start to 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 their um, to the image of their their entry into Formula One. Very high profile. Um, but I think they're also getting a very, as you said earlier on, a potentially extremely quick racing driver. Um, one who's, uh, who's probably a bit peakier in his performances than uh, Sergio Perez, but one, I think, whose peaks are, are higher. And you can flatten those peaks out if you give him the sort of car that um, he needs. Um it's you've got a pretty good basis for a start there with with um which was essentially a mercedes so i think i i think the chances of success of this are good he's going to be hugely motivated um he's going to have the whole team buzzing with a certain energy just just from his arrival and just from his status um so i i it, the, you, there are questions still hanging about his own performance um because of the last two years, but I I would be cautiously optimistic that we're going to see something really good here. And he's also going to a team that, like you say, it's a proper racing team, isn't it? Which is not to do down Ferrari, but there's a lot of complexity and there's, there's a broader picture at Ferrari. But Racing Point, its great strength has been just racing sharpness, just getting the best out of what it's got. That team and its DNA has got a long history of, you might say, recycling drivers for example, people like Heinz Harald Frentzen in the Jordan days was was kind of not not really desired by many teams after after Williams went went wrong for him, but then he emerged as an unlikely title contender in in ninety nine. So you see a few of these drivers who've been recycled at a at a team like that, and I imagine that the team themselves see Vettel as a really motivated driver simply because he he's got that desire to prove Ferrari wrong. It, it cannot be coincidence that this was announced on the morning 
of the first day of Ferrari's anniversary weekend, its 1,000th Grand Prix. That, that's got to be a little bit of a dig, surely, hasn't it? I think so, yes. And um, also with the backdrop of the, 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 the very recently resolved um, appeal of the, the Racing Point brake ducts uh, by Ferrari as well. So there's clearly a lot of nickel between the two teams at the moment. And um, yeah, I think Seb's probably been absolutely up for using that. Yeah, and he certainly feels that he wasn't treated correctly by Ferrari. Uh, that's to me, slightly separate question to the question of whether they were right to, to not offer him a new deal. I actually think you can say I perfectly understand Ferrari's decision not to not to keep him on. He was out of contract. They didn't offer offer him anything. But Seb himself has a very clear way of how things should be done, shall we say. And I, I think he's made it very, very clear that he wasn't happy. And of course, he was given the out by Ferrari that, that Ferrari had said, well, it was both sides. We just mutually decided we couldn't do it. And then, of course, as soon as Seb got to the first race, he said, no, they just phoned me up and said I, they didn't want me, which I thought was uh, was him making very clear his... Uh, so, so I think this is going to be great. He's also a great character to have in a team, isn't he? I, I think maybe people have lost that with, with him, with Ferrari. You no, know, he's a good guy. He's a funny guy. People like him. People love working with him. And he is capable of delivering those performances. So he really could be a, a good galvanising force for, for this team as it kind of finds its its new identity, shall we say, because although it's got this historic success and overachieving for its budget, what it's trying to do now is something a little bit different and emerges as a genuine top team. Yeah, that's right. And especially looking to 2022 when the budget caps come in, I think that the, the whole vision that Lawrence Stroll has had for this team is is he's not just there to make up the numbers. Um, he wants his team to be a contender. And so I'm sure he will have had that chat with Sebastian and I'm sure they will both have uh, reassured each other that their visions are in, in tune with each other's. Um, so yeah, let, let's let's look at it on the assumption that it's a standard two-year plus option uh, deal and you can see that within that time uh, what what Seb's thinking in terms of the the landscape of Formula One and and where that team is going to fit in and he'll still only be you know mid-30s by the time he's at the end of that contract so yeah I think um, he's he's actually um, pulled he's, he's pulled something out of the hat here because you would have said um, probably before we before the season um, and we, we we got to see just how competitive that racing point is you would have said if if Ferrari let Seb go he's probably going to run out of um, options that that w- would be attractive enough but he's actually pulled this one out of the bag I think well we know that he'll have the chance of some decent results next year not probably not winning races although we should say Lance Stroll was in a position to win at Monza just uh, just a few days ago but that was through a degree of good fortune but he is going to be able to to get the odd podium finish in that car all things being equal next year so that that's very very encouraging i guess the one thing we have to ask is is he the guy for a nominally midfield team it's very much an upper midfield team this kind of Mercedes and then everything else is the midfield uh, now certainly until you get to that group of uh, of teams at the back so is he the guy for the cut and thrust of, of that sort of team because it is fair to say that historically he's been at his absolute best dominating races from the front and although I think he's a, actually a better wheel-to-wheel racer historically than perhaps people make out it's fair to say the past few years have not really gone well when it's come to the the wheel-to-wheel stuff. Yeah, I think I think there's a certain amount of truth in that. He's um, he's, he's not uh, in the midfield. If 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 you think of it as the old, the sort of Force India team, 
I would have said, no, you, you're probably better off with somebody like Sergio. Um, but I, this has got aspirations to be more than that. So even if it means, if you know, the odd uh, quiet race where where he, he gets stuck in the pack, um, I think the the peaks that he's capable of generating and in, in will will more than pay for that in, in subsequent races. So I think overall they, they've got a they've got a good deal. Yeah, I think I think they'll they'll be very pleased as well because I think the point you make about the status for the team is is really important and it'll be a it'll be a galvanizing force and inject some uh, some real energy and we know how how he can lift a team so very positive from from that perspective and actually we have to say good for Formula One isn't it because while people say oh well he's had his time he's had his success these big name star drivers they're what people watch Formula One. For, aren't they? They want to see the Vettels, the, the Hamiltons, the Verstappens, you know, even if there's a bit of faded glory about these drivers. We have seen there being a big appeal in the past for for these sort of fallen giants having having revivals. Nelson Piquet at Benetton, for example, I guess is the, the classic example. Yeah, absolutely. I think Formula One is sh- shouldn't be so youth-obsessed. I think it should just be on the, the the level of performance and I think there should always be this mixture of the old established guys that are still able to cut it and then the the young charges and it gives it a nice texture we've got we've got a lot of great young guys um, coming up we just saw one of them win his first Grand Prix last weekend so um, I think that's that's a nice balance to have and I I think we would have lost something um, I think Formula One would have lost something if we'd um, we didn't have Seb next year. So we've got the intrigue of Seb, we've got the intrigue of uh, Fernando Alonso de Alpine, and I think that that's a that's a nice that's a nice balance. And we still got you know we've got Gasly, Norris, uh, these guys just very exciting. We've got some very exciting Formula Two um, hot shots looking to, to to get their way in. So yeah, I, I don't think you should automatically just make it youth. Trumps all. I think it should always be per- performance, um, performance driven, and and I think Seb's still got perf- a lot of performance in him. It was only a few months ago that he was um, he was fantastic in his, his victory drive at Singapore, and he's not been totally outclassed by Charles Leclerc. He's he's outqualified and outraced Charles a couple of times this year. The the the, the momentum is obviously with Charles, but um, that's one of the absolute elite Formula One drivers, you know, of the whole pack, and he's 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 still able to um, give him a race every now and again. So yeah, I, I think this is the balance is about right in Formula One at the moment. Well, you mentioned that, that performance is the key there, so let's look at the driver he's replaced. I think we can both agree that Vettel going to Racing Point is a good good move for the team, but obviously they, they've chucked out Sergio Perez, they've kept Lance Stroll. Obviously, we, we know the, the connections Lance Stroll has to the, to the team ownership. Now, people will say, oh, let's look at the points table. Lance Stroll, good, consistent point scorer, fourth in the championship, 57 points. Sergio Perez down in 11th place, 34 points, even with the two two races missed you could say well pro rata stroll still doing better but what, what do you think of the decision to to keep stroll over perez well very predictable obviously it was always very difficult to envisage that um he would be dropped when his father owns a team uh but that said he's made uh, all he and perez combined have, have made the uh case less clear-cut than it would have been if you'd said at the end of last year say when there was no question uh, of who was the the superior driver, um, Sergio, I don't think has had his best season. I mean, even t- taking out the equation, the fact that he missed those two races for uh, for COVID, um, it, it just hasn't been that convincing, really. Considering how quick 
we see the car is in, 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 in regular glimpses. I would have expected Sergio to have been conclusively outperforming uh, Lance this year, and he's edged it probably, but I don't say he's he's, he's absolutely made night and day. Um, some of that is Lance um, becoming more consistent and improving, um, but I think it's also some of that Sergio's made helped make the decision perhaps a little bit easier, or perhaps it, the the relation is something all, already wrong in the relationship, and he was affecting his performance. I don't know, but the, it's definitely not as clear cut as it would have been last year. Yeah, I, th- I think I'd agree with that point. If you break it down this season, they've been together on, what, six weekends or eight weekends now. And actually, if you kind of normalise for the race scenario, etc., it's basically Stroll has, has outperformed Perez twice in qualifying and twice in races, if you actually factor in why certain people are ahead in, in races, etc. So, well, I'd certainly agree. Stroll, Stroll, I think, has taken a step forward this year. He's been good and consistent. And that has muddied the waters. I still think if you were making a completely kind of dispassionate choice between the two, you'd go with Perez unless you think there's a massive hidden upside for for Lance Stroll. And I think he's got ability and he's perfectly worthy Formula One driver. He's he's certainly a decent Formula One driver, no question. But yeah, I, I think probably you, you would have gone with, with Perez if you had the, the straight choice. But equally, drivers have to kind of make their own luck if you like don't they and had Perez absolutely nailed this year which he ultimately hasn't it would have been much much harder to justify because right now they can look at it and say well Lance finished on the podium in Monza I mean they can set aside the fact that Perez was outperforming him and it was it was luck that sort of swapped them round and they can set aside the fact that perhaps that was a win loss rather than a podium gain for Stroll but the numbers at a glance, just justify the decision, which I guess is the is the thing that that Perez has uh, has let slip a little bit because no matter what his performance, he could have made it more emphatic. Yeah, indeed. You mean you mean you know, you you maximise your your chances, don't you? And you just play the hand that you've got. And um, yeah, Lance got a very good hand in um, in life, uh, but it's, that's that's no reason to um, to diss him. He's he's still he's still got to make use of those opportunities. And um, unfortunately, Sergio's probably come out of this um, a little bit bruised. Um, but that's you know it, it, it's it's there's no there's no guarantee that says every everything has to be um, on on an even keel. This is this is Formula One. This is competition and um, stuff like this ha- happens. So where does Perez go now? Because it looks like it's going to be a question of how much do you and your backers want to stay in Formula One, isn't it? Because realistically, he's looking at not especially attractive options unless something bizarre happens and Red Bull suddenly decide they want a dependable number two to replace their incumbent drivers, which would surprise me. Yeah, I mean, it. it you look up and down the grid and you'd say, well, there's probably... He could probably, if he wanted to, go to either Alpha or Haas. Um, you know, the, the Fre- Freddie Vasseur at, at Alpha has already said that he, he would be interested in. Uh, but yeah, again, how much, how how motivated could he get for that? Because um, this is like a real kick in the guts for him. So I'm, I'm sure. So when you're in that space, how motivated can you be to? Commit yourself to a team where you suspect you're going to be fighting in that Q1, Q2 cutoff rather than um, looking for podiums. I'm not sure. I, I I really don't know. And he did say before the season started that actually he, he was finding the um, the 
the lockdown situation actually brought a lot of upsides for him and he was realizing there was a life beyond formula 1 and it, it did stri- strike me when he when he said that i wonder if i wonder if he's thinking about you know um what he's going to do you know rather than looking at his next drive and what his next season's going to be i wonder if he's looking more beyond i wonder what i'm going to do when i stop driving yeah very possibly and and you know he could also if he decides that a Hass or an Alpha move isn't is, doesn't appeal to him, and you know why would Alpha's probably got the bigger upside in the long term? But that team's really not kicked on over the past few years, so they're a long way off being there. He could just take a year out, couldn't he? Do what Vettel was talking about: take a sabbatical, see what happens, pursue some other things in life, and then he's still a very valid option for for a team for for twenty twenty two. You know, a team like Williams, if they start to make good progress, could want a driver like that, for example, and that could be an upwardly mobile team under new ownership. So that's an option. And then, of course, there's other racing categories as well. And in the past, there's been a little bit of interest in him from uh, from Chip Ganassi for IndyCar, for for example. So if he could convert his his F1 career into a front running uh, career in IndyCar, that that might uh, appeal to him. But I, I, I agree with you. I don't think he's just going to say. I'm just going to stay on the grid for the sake of it. I think he will want a realistic trajectory that will allow him to get into a position to to win races. And the kick in the teeth of spending all this time with uh, with this team, having had some great moments, and just at the point where it's about to theoretically should break through, he's out, must be a really hard thing to to take for him. I imagine, even though he's had time to come to terms with it, I imagine it probably makes him quite angry, actually. Yeah, it's bound to. It's it's bound to. And it was only as recently as, as the Belgian Grand Prix, he was saying the team have assured me that everything's staying the same, so I'm just ignoring all the rumours. So I'm, I'm sure he, he, he feels there's been some sort of betrayal of trust there as well. Um, but yeah, that point you mentioned about Ganassi is an interesting one because he's the type of driver I'm sure would make a superb um, IndyCar driver. He'd be absolutely perfectly suited to it his style and his his approach i think um you could quite easily see him becoming a, a megastar over there yeah a good clever driver good in wheel to wheel stuff good tire managing can look at the big picture good at setting up cars so he's got a lot of strengths i mean i don't think sergio perez is kind of a world champion driver in formula one i think he's a very very good strong formula one driver who could, who could win races and actually you you'd probably you put him among the best drivers never to have won a race in formula one given what he's done over the years maybe not at the absolute top of the pile but he's, he's kind of in that that leading group of contenders so I think he's a driver who would interest an, an awful lot of people uh, let's come around back around to, to Aston Martin Racing Point call it what you will I do think that no matter what you can say about the the decision of which driver they've replaced it is a clear statement of intent isn't it to have got in this four times world champion a Ferrari driver, okay, a rejected Ferrari driver rather than one who you've prized away by showing how brilliant your uh, your project is. But I think for all the mess that there's been around that team, around the edges, shall we say, we know there's a great core team there, really good people capable of, of doing the job. So this is probably a, a, just a huge positive net for, for Racing Point, isn't it? Yeah, and it's not just a good core racing team, but it's, um, it's a team that under Lawrence... Stroll's ownership is being fast tracked. You know, he's not he's not being up for. Well, I'll 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 invest in this team and we'll we'll build it up and in ten years time we'll have a good team and I'll I'll recruit the right people all over the place and it's just no. We'll take the core that we've got. We'll get a Mercedes and we'll budget something else and then we'll get a, a 
an ex-world champion in and we'll get backing off, off the back of that and really give the thing some momentum. So it's like a, a real fast-track operation, a, a real up, very, very sudden upgrade, which is bound to leave a few um, ragged edges around, around, around the, the, the side of the thing. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's only going to go forward. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's... Um, I think Seb's got himself in a good place, and I think they've got themselves um, a good option in him. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out next season. Loads to read all about this on therace.com, and don't forget the hyphen. Check out our YouTube channel. We've got video content about this as well. And also do, if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, subscribe, leave us a review. If you like, and check out some of our other podcasts like Bring Back V10s and the Gary Anderson F1 Show. Thanks very much, Mark Hughes. Thanks for listening. We're now going to turn our attention to Mugello and the Tuscan Grand Prix weekend.